0: This is John Halsman, and welcome to a special Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast, where we try to make sense of the beguiling new planet we find ourselves on. And listen, this is the last thing I want to do today. I am just getting through edits on the book. Uh, I'm to the pivotal chapter in the book, which is Franklin Roosevelt's rule for how to deal with geostrategy and when the United States should intervene. Never bettered on, it should still be the rule that guides us today. I'll talk more about that later, and you can read about that in the book. It's... The key kind of intellectual discovery I made in the book is, the, is this rule of when we should intervene. Realists are always good after the fact about saying we shouldn't intervene, but there needs to be a rule, as our critics say, as to when we do and when we do not intervene, when we're fighting a revolutionary power trying to take things over like Hitler, and when we're fighting an annoying tin dictator like Slobodan Mil- Milosevic, and we shouldn't intervene. And Roosevelt came up, if I look through history in these last 250 years of American history, I came upon what I discovered as the Roosevelt rule for when we should intervene. It's one of the keys to the whole book. I'm just finishing that section today, and I can't help myself but take 20 minutes to be with you and do our podcast. Because frankly, what uh, Zelensky, President Zelensky of Ukraine said today just has to be countered. The arrogance of this man is breathtaking. He said that when he was offered NATO membership uh, today, and this is the draft document of what NATO's going to agree to, at the Vilnius summit was made plain. uh, I don't think we should offer him membership in any way, by the way. I think this is a bridge too far. But when offered this, he was offended. And this is what comes from humoring people and not explaining strategic realities to them. So let me explain strategic realities to President Zelensky who thinks that NATO is being absurd about alliance membership, when it's he who's being absurd. First of all, we had no business offering a membership in the first place. As I would say to him, as to any other member of NATO, I don't care about the composition of the alliance. I care about the alliance. The only criteria an American should care about for joining NATO is does this make the alliance stronger or does it make it weaker? Is the country in question a security maker or a security taker? And by every conceivable definition, Ukraine is a security taker. One, it is not a primary interest to the United States; it serves no geostrategic purpose for the United States, but it sure does so for Russia. Two, it's not a large economic concern of the United States. Three, we have no long-standing historical ties to the region, cultural or otherwise. So four it isn't worth messing with ukraine which is on the border of russia and in effect making very possible a nato war with russia down the road if ukraine were to join for a country of laughably unimportant significance to the united states strategically i can't think of a greater uh... security taker than ukraine and good for us not falling in the trap immediately though offering the membership um, frankly i would have that membership concluded on the fifth of never. And so it just is a security taker in every which way. Two, it doesn't meet the criteria for NATO. Ukraine seems to have this idea that because it's been suffering in its valiant defense against the Russians, that the rules go out the window. The whole point of having a map, a membership action plan for NATO, is that you've gotta meet basic criteria to join. Ukraine meets none of them. It's an economic basket case controlled by oligarchs, laden with corruption, quasi-capitalistic, quasi-democratic. And NATO made it clear in membership action plans that you need to be a fully functioning democracy and you have to have rule of law in your country, which Ukraine does not. It's one of the most corrupt places on the planet and not be an economic basket case. That's why Finland and Sweden, which add security to NATO, can get in so quickly in around a year because they meet all these criteria going back generations and Ukraine still doesn't Meet them, and you don't get a get out of jail free card as in monopoly just because you've been suffering. You have to think with your head and not your heart, or you are ruining the will of your people. Ukraine does not meet the standards by any definition of a functioning democracy. Before the war, Zelensky was just another failed Ukrainian president who had failed to tame the oligarchs. Do we really think that in wartime he's made the country a bastion of Jeffersonian liberty? I'm here to tell you he is not. Second, it was a basket case before the war and remains a basket case now. And three, anyone who's saying Ukraine isn't corrupt hasn't been there, as I have been many times. So it simply doesn't meet the rules. And so to be offended that you don't meet the rules is crazy. So security taker, we shouldn't have it in for that reason alone, based on American interests. Two, it doesn't meet the rules for a membership action plan, even if you thought I was wrong and wanted to include them. Three... NATO is not allowed to take new members who are actually fighting and have border disputes that are internal. And this is a very good rule because this means you don't stumble into war by taking on board someone and you immediately have to cash their strategic check. Obviously, Ukraine doesn't meet that standard as Ukrainian territory is held by the Russians, at least 20% of the landmass at the moment. So this isn't a good idea for that reason. For how dare you tell me what to do with my army? which is what I say to Europeans in general, the United States amounts to 70% of NATO spending. You heard me right. It is an abomination. After all these years, 75 years of waiting for the Europeans to stop being lotus eaters and wake up from their strategic nap from history, the reality is that the United States is 70% of NATO's wherewithal. How dare you tell me what to do with my army? Worse still for the Ukrainian case, The United States is keeping the lights on. The United States has donated more money to Ukraine in terms of civilian, humanitarian, and military aid than the rest of the world put together. I think that's a grave mistake, and it's up to the Europeans to care more about their security than we do. But the simple fact is the facts are the facts, and that's the case. The United States has spent about $110 billion, by the way, unaudited, which is the height of lunacy, for the Biden administration. We have no idea where this money went except into the black hole that is the Ukrainian economy, riddled as it is with corruption. We've given them this money. And so, of course, I have a right to tell you whether you can get into the alliance or not. Fifth, let's just think geostrategically. Ukraine will always be more important. We leave the geo out, and I say this a lot. We leave the geography out of geopolitics way too much. And the simple fact is this. Ukraine will always matter more to Russia, fading great power than it is, than it ever will to the United States, based simply upon geography. And let's do a thought experiment. If a virulently anti-American regime came to power in Mexico and was supported by, say, China, the United States would do absolutely everything in its power as it should to subvert that government and have a government in place that was broadly pro-American. Why? Mexico's next door to us. It's a simple, simple fact that is totally forgotten by the left-leaning commentariat, which acts as though geography doesn't matter. We simply will not care enough about Ukraine to ever make this worth our while. And I remember when Georgia and Ukraine were under the lunacy of the neocon Bush administration, it was first being muted their membership. And I went to the Georgian leadership and said, look, you're being lied to by people because the simple fact is NATO ultimately is an Article Five commitment. That if you're invaded, the rest of the alliance will come to your defense, as the Three Musketeers put it, all for one and one for all. So if you do indeed get attacked, we have to come to your defense. Let me be clear that because of all the reasons I've outlined up to now, it's lack of strategic importance. It's not meeting the membership goals. It's being a security taker and not a security maker. Because of all these reasons up until now, bottom line, the United States is not going to fight a war. For Ukraine, let alone, ultimately, a nuclear war for Ukraine or Georgia. I remember saying to the Saakashvili government, look, people in Kansas are not going to fight a nuclear war for Georgia. Anyone who thinks that's the case is out of their mind. We simply won't do that. That makes absolutely no sense. On the other hand, if I let you in, I'm creating a hostage to fortune, meaning NATO can be ruined. Suppose Vladimir Putin rightly agrees with me and says that NATO won't fight a nuclear war to Georgia, and for Georgia, or Ukraine for that matter. And then let's assume Russia invades Georgia once it's a NATO member. And we're right. NATO doesn't fight a nuclear war for Georgia, and it's taken over by the Russians. Well, that's the end of NATO. We've just destroyed the most successful military alliance in history. We've sold the silver to pay the butcher bill. And we've done this for absolutely nothing. That's the reason you don't take in countries you're not prepared to defend militarily or even with nuclear weapons. And that's what a security guarantee is. This isn't a game of risk. This is incredibly serious stuff. And anybody who wants to feel good isn't doing good. The goal here is to only have members of NATO we would defend militarily. No one in Kansas is going to fight for Georgia, conventionally or otherwise. So to take in all these countries that add absolutely no security to the United States doesn't do anyone a favor but Vladimir Putin, who now has a chance to destroy the NATO alliance, which has been his goal since he was a KGB officer in East Germany. That's what he gets to do, because we simply won't fight a war for countries that mean absolutely, and I can't stress this enough, absolutely nothing to the United States. Absolutely nothing. All I can hope is that for all these reasons, people are waking up to the fact that Ukraine is yet another swamp for the United States to fall in. At least the Biden administration had the good sense, it seems to be in the draft document, to say Ukraine eventually will get NATO membership, which is a catastrophe. I wish they hadn't said that. I don't like lying to other people. But the way around this as a realist is just to say this membership will come on the fifth of never, because the two conditions before Ukraine gets to be a member, beyond the things they've outlined here, are that the allies have to agree, meaning there has to be unanimity of the other NATO allies, the other 30, 31 NATO allies. And there won't be unanimity because the rest of the world isn't so stupid as the Americans are about this point. And then two conditions and it's left vague conditions are met. That's still the membership action plan. You don't get the get out of jail free card. So if the Biden administration is saying that Ukraine only gets to enter when they've won over the Germans, the rest of the Europeans and the United States, that they're ready to join in a unanimous manner, which is the only way you get to join NATO, And two, they only get to join when they've met all the conditions of the membership action plan, meaning being a fully fledged democracy with broadly rule of law, um, no corruption under control and a viable economic economy. In essence, the Biden administration is being cynical, whereas where I am, whereas where I am being honest. But they are saying, we'll let you in on the fifth of never. And that's the right attitude, because I don't care about any one country. I care about the viability of the most important alliance in the history of the world and the most successful. That's what matters. NATO's what matters, not Ukraine, not Montenegro, not Finland, not Sweden, not any of them. What matters is NATO and that the NATO, the credibility of NATO seems to be sacrosanct. As long as that's the case, things are fine. And in fact, look now, the credibility of NATO has worked up to now, the Russians show no signs at all, even if they could, which they can't, of invading a NATO country because they know that that would bring down, or they fear at least, that would bring down the wrath of God and the United States upon them. So they're not willing to do that. That's all the more reason to be incredibly careful about who we let into play. And then, this comes at last, the final point is to the Roosevelt rule that I laid out. The basic rule of thumb for when the United States should invade or intervene militarily in a country, is if that country or that invasion or that flashpoint has the potential to lead to a hostile power dominating either Europe or Asia, the Eurasian landmass. And here, risk does matter. Think of the game of risk. The Eurasian world island is the dominant area of the world where there are the most people, the most resources, the most ports by far. If you control Europe and Asia in a game of risk, you're going to win. And this remains true in geopolitics as well, upon which the game is patterned. So the simple rule of thumb that Roosevelt came up with as to why we ought to fight the Nazis and Imperial Japan is that if either portion of the Eurasian land mass, Europe or Asia, is dominated by a foreign power... Ultimately, that power will dominate the world because the United States and the Western Hemisphere, powerful as they are, are just an island off this primary landmass of the world, and that primary landmass, because of resources and people, will always tell the tale. So the United States will remain dominant by Roosevelt's theory, which I think is still and ought to be the operative force of American foreign policy. This is still true unless someone dominates either Europe or Asia. Well, let's look at the world right now. Russia can't even take over Eastern Ukraine, which is Russian speaking. They can't even take over that, let alone Western Ukraine, let alone East Europe, let alone make it to the Fulda Gap in Germany where things would get dicey. None of that is possible. Russia is a decaying, corrupt gas station with nuclear weapons. It's a declining power, desperately trying to hold on to its near abroad and not doing a very good job of it. That's what Russia is. So there's absolutely no concept, possibility of Russia or anybody else dominating Europe. So the United States doesn't need to intervene, according to the Roosevelt rule, in Europe. This is not the case in Asia. While we spend $120 billion fiddling, with Ukraine, Rome is burning in the Indo-Pacific because China, if it does take Taiwan in the short to medium term, would be able to escape the first island chain, as we've talked about before, sail its navy out into the blue waters of the, of the Pacific and Indian Oceans. It already it dominates trade with these countries. When they saw that Taiwan was taken and the American credibility in the region was zero, The region's leaders and powers would do deals with China. And suddenly the Indo-Pacific, the most important region in the world, is dominated by China. And Asia ultimately would be dominated by China. And the world ultimately, as a result, would be dominated by China. So the Chinese threat does reach the level of the Roosevelt rule. In a way, the threat from Ukraine does not. And so while we're wasting our energy on a 16th order problem and being snubbed and humiliated and talked down to by the sixth order power, we are using up our precious ammunition. Even Joe Biden had a moment of candor. It's when he always gets into trouble and admitted the United States is not producing enough ammunition to make up the difference that we've sold to Ukraine, let alone to fill the order that Taiwan has bought for $20 billion worth of new defense goods because we're giving them all to Ukraine. How moronic. We cannot do everything. We have to stop thinking that we can, or we're going to end up doing nothing very well. The Roosevelt rule makes it clear. The name of the game is the Indo-Pacific, and not wasting our resources on Ukraine. So to sum up, for all these reasons, I think it's Zelensky who's being absurd about Ukraine's alliance membership, not NATO. NATO. Happy to get this off my chest. Now I have to get back to work. For those of you I wanted to get this to you immediately, that's the great advantage of our podcast, that we can move fast and keep up with things. And I think that's vital that we do so. Happy to get this one done. For those of you who haven't subscribed yet, please do so. So many of you have. It's thrilling to make this such an important part of our lives because it's working so well. And for those of you who have subscribed, please do give. We're only asking $70 a year, $7 a month or $70 a year. And again, this allows us to stop everything and give you up to the minute political risk analysis that frankly is the best in the world. Happy to do that. Only asking for 70 bucks. Please do give. Thanks. And back to book editing.